0: A podcast 1 production. This podcast was created in partnership with Fantastic Furniture. Hi, I'm Renovation Expert Sheree Barber, and this is Transform Your Home. On this episode, I'm going to share with you how to look at your home like a designer. We'll cover off how to see your home in zones to nail your layout, the top five cosmetic changes that create the biggest impact, and you'll learn some handy design principles so that later when you're shopping for furniture or choosing your colour scheme, you can bring your vision to life. Before we get started, if you haven't already heard Episode 1, jump back and take a listen now. Episode 1 will really help you plan your vision to make it a success. Okay, so at this point, you've strategically locked down what theme you want for your home, or even just one particular room, that general look and feel that you're aiming for. So, what comes next? So, the next step in the process is standing back and objectively looking at your home, decide what stays and what should go. The thing is this when you're attempting to transform your home, and in particular, if you're working to a budget, you're always going to save money by not turfing everything out. There's actually some stuff that you can actually just upcycle. So sure, you might hate that 1980s vanity that's been in your bathroom forever, and most people's natural inclination would be just to rip it out and throw it on the scrap heat. But I'm here to tell you, there's a heap of products on the market these days that can give you the ability to resurface, repurpose those items. In fact, these products, they're game changers. I'm talking things like specialty paints, tile paints, laminate paints, even benchtop resurfacing kits. We've got really great products in Australia these days. So, as you're working your way through your rooms, really think twice about what you do and don't throw out, because the more stuff you throw out, the more money it's gonna cost you to put it all back together again, my friends. Now, when I'm cosmetically renovating properties, there's five key things that I always look to update. So bring up a new note in your phone or grab a notepad and pen and write these down. The first one is a paint makeover. Far and away, the biggest difference you're going to make is freshening up your rooms with a new lick of paint and a fabulous new colour scheme. In another episode, I'm going to be going into quite a lot of detail about why colours have such a huge impact on our moods, which colour combos work really well together, and how you can use colours to trick the eye, like making small rooms appear larger and bigger rooms feel more cosy. Really fun stuff. Number two is updating the flooring. Okay, now you may not like what's in your home right now, but there are ways to change it without bringing in a whole tribe of trades. For example, you can lay down vinyl floor planks straight over your old floor tiles without having to jackhammer them up, which is really messy. Even things like new carpet is a really affordable option these days. If you've got mismatched flooring throughout your home, like a lot of homes do in Australia, you might want to think about how you can make all your flooring one uniform look. That's definitely the best thing for any property. In a bedroom, you might have some carpet that you absolutely hate. It doesn't matter if you're a homeowner or renter, there are other options. My question to you would be, could you cover up that ugly old carpet with a big rug instead? If you've got old floorboards, sure, it's a bit more work, but you might find that bringing the floor sanders in to polish those floorboards might be a better alternative than replacing with the new flooring. So wherever there's a will, there's a way. So number three is putting in some modern light fittings. Now, you've typically got two types of lighting, lighting that's hardwired physically into your property, and then you've got more sort of superficial lighting, which can be things like floor lamps and your table lamps and bedside tables. So in this instance, we're talking about your hardwired lighting. Now, a lot of properties across Australia, they have not much lighting in them at all. Very common to see the little oyster light right in the middle of a big ceiling, So unfortunately, a lot of properties that don't have good light don't look so great. Have a look at what you've got currently and replace it with some nice modern light fittings instead. Now for all the renters out there, don't lose faith. There's lots of ways that you can inject great lighting into your property and we're going to be covering that in a later episode. Number four is replacing those daggy old window coverings. I'm talking things like the horrible curtains, the horrible blinds, the vertical drapes. Some wacky stuff happened with window dressings in years gone by. So one of the questions I want to ask yourself is, can you replace those curtains, those blinds with a much more modern alternative instead? Now, the good thing is, if you're a renter, you won't be able to change the blinds, but you can easily swap over the curtains. When you move out of the property, just put the old curtains back. Ideally, you want all of your window furnishings to match in every single window through your home. Number five is to select your furniture and styling items. You really do need to decide what furniture and what styling pieces are going to stay and what's going to go. You might even elect to mix some new pieces with your older pieces so that you can keep your budget in check. Like I mentioned, we're going to do a whole future episode just on styling items so that you can choose those pieces way more strategically. So looking at those top five big changes is a really good place to start at looking at your rooms objectively as to what you should keep and what should go. The next thing you need to look at is do all the rooms in your home flow together currently from a practicality viewpoint? And how you answer that question is by looking at the four distinct key zones of the property, which is up next. So in the world of interior design, you need to know that there's four key areas that you have in a home. And in fact, it's this very premise that guides a lot of architects in creating a new dwelling from the ground up. So let's go through the four key zones. The very first one is called the sleeping zone. And this is where all your bedrooms are clustered together. Your sleeping zone is the quiet part of your house. It therefore makes sense for all of those rooms to be clustered together. The next zone is called the service zone. And this normally contains your bathroom, your laundry, and your guest toilet. Now, the reason why they're called the service is because obviously they're a utility room. It's where all the water lines come into your property. So when people are building a house, you don't want all your water lines all over the slab of your floor or under your house. So these rooms typically get piggybacked close together. So the water lines only have to come in at one point of your home. So that's the service zone, your laundry, your guest toilet and your bathroom. The third zone is called the living zone. And this contains your kitchen, your living room, your dining room. And these are the noisy areas of your home. It's where the action is taking place. There's lots of talking and you want the living zone to be the complete opposite direction to your quiet zone. The very last zone is the entertaining zone. And this is basically where your living areas, which typically are pushed towards the back of your home, they then transition to the outside where you do your entertaining our sauces, we love a good old fashioned barbecue and having your mates around on the weekend. So more often than not, when your friends come over, you just naturally end up on the back patio or the back deck, whatever it may be. Now, if you're in an apartment, I do need to say that all of these four zones, they still exist. They're obviously just a lot closer together. Once your property really does start to become larger, like a three or four bedroom typical Aussie home, you'll really notice these four zones at play. So just to recap, the four key zones are your sleeping zone, the quiet area, the service zone, the living zone, the noisy areas, and your entertaining zone. Now in architectural land, those four key zones, they're the ideal format, so to speak. But the reality is many older style Australian homes, they have boxy, impractical and very disjointed layouts with some of the bedrooms located at the back of the house, blocking off access to the rear garden. So first up, look at your layout to see if you can come up with an easier way to improve the floor plan. It might mean you need to relocate some walls and maybe a new external door at the back of your home. To get that better indoor outdoor connection but if you're going to do that you'll probably need council or private certifier approval so make sure you check those things first because ending up with a stop work order is not fun for anyone making those sort of changes as well is really sort of starting to move you away from cosmetics more into structural territory which can push out your costs so keep that in mind especially to avoid overcapitalizing your property which is where you spend too much on your property, than what your property is truly worth. So now that you've worked out what should stay or go in your home, what your themes are, whether your layout is practical, it's really important that you have a good understanding of interior design principles. Because the reality is, if you don't know good interior design principles, you're really going to struggle with your makeover. Now, before I tell you what those key design principles are, what would be really handy right now is if you pull up your mood board and just grab some of those images that you've already placed on the mood board so you can start to see where these principles that I'm about to teach you are actually at play. It'll definitely help you understand what I'm about to teach you. So let's go through those now. The first one is scale and proportion. Now, scale and proportion, it's super important in your room because what it does, it sets the whole tone for your room. Scale and proportion is just about how the objects in your room relate to each other. It really is about the size and the scale of your furniture in each particular room. There has to be an order. There has to be a harmony as to how all your pieces fit together. And to be honest, look, some of this is just plain common sense. I mean, if you had, say, for example, a tiny bedroom, you wouldn't make a ridiculous interior design mistake and put a king-size bed in a tiny bedroom. You know, if you had a room that had particularly low ceilings, you wouldn't go and put a bed that had a big high bed head in that room. So scale and proportion is really just looking at the size of your furniture, making sure that it's appropriate to that particular room. Now, when it comes to scale and proportion, there is a good rule of thumb. Larger rooms will typically need larger furniture to anchor the space and smaller rooms will need smaller furniture. So in fact, the biggest mistake that people make in their interior design projects is they just get their furniture sizes completely wrong. Let's say, for example, a dining table. One of the biggest common mistakes that I see is people getting the size of their rug wrong. Ideally, when you're fitting out a dining area, you want to get a large rug so that when somebody pulls out their dining chair to exit the table, the chair is still on the rug. So that's a very real example of how you get your scale and proportion right in any particular room. Now, I also need to mention a little thing called negative space. That's the space that you don't fill in a room. That's just as important as the objects that you do put in a room. It's really important that when you're making over your rooms that you leave enough airspace around all of your furniture and your furnishings so people can move freely around the room without tripping over things. Bit of a no-brainer, right? Next one up is called balance, and this is about where you weight objects and colours in a room so they're pleasing to the eye. You'll walk into a balanced room and instantly feel at peace. Now, designers do this through a delicate balance of symmetry and asymmetry. An example of perfect symmetry might be a bedroom where the bed has two matching bedside tables, either side of the bed, and maybe identical bedside lamps. That's fine for a bedroom that has that mirror image kind of symmetry, but that might be really boring to replicate in, say, a room like your living room. So let me explain asymmetrical design and this is where you hear designers talk about this thing called visual weight and that's where your individual pieces might be quite different in style and size but the overall visual weight is the same. So for example on a mantelpiece you might have a large vase or a framed picture on one side of the mantel and you balance that out with several smaller items on the other side of the mantel maybe playing around with varying heights and objects to make it look a little bit more visually interesting. So arranging your groupings in odd numbers, normally three or five, is a really great way to use asymmetrical design. Dissimilar objects that have equal visual weight or eye attraction. A tall pot plant beside that low table with a cluster of maybe three objects. So when it comes to asymmetrical furniture placement, think about it like this. You might have an oversized furniture with several smaller armchairs in that particular room. Again, look at the images of the rooms you love and try and spot where the designer has successfully done this. Next up, There's dominance and emphasis, and this is really about creating focal points in the room. So let me try and explain this a slightly different way. For example, when you walk into a bathroom, where you don't want to lead somebody's eye is straight to the toilet. So in a bathroom, you would place certain objects in the room to lead their eye in a different direction. In a lounge room, you might want to install something like a gorgeous wallpapered feature wall, might be a big artwork on one particular wall, could be a gorgeous chandelier, can be anything really so that when somebody walks into the room, their eye naturally goes straight to that particular item that is most attractive and delivers the most wow factor. So with interior designers, they pay huge amount of attention onto dominance and emphasis. And in fact, this can be often a starting place when it comes to selecting their furnishings and all their styling items, they'll find that one piece or one object that they want to become the central theme of the room and everything else works around that. Then there's unity and harmony. So with unity and harmony, it's about getting your house as a whole, a series of spaces linked together by hallways, landing, doorways, your stairs, and all the individual rooms. Your job as a designer, even though you technically may not be one, is to create one unified feel for your whole property. There are lots of ways you can do that. It starts with picking out that overall style for your property, whether it's Hamptons, Coastal, whatever, and continuing that theme right throughout your whole space. One common way to create unity is through color. You may choose a similar color palette maybe three or four colours, absolute tops in your home, and then you use those colours consistently right throughout all of your rooms. When you walk into a space and you feel a sense of calmness, only then will you know you've ticked the box of unity and harmony. But now that you've achieved all that calmness and all that serenity, you need to give it a bit of energy, and this is where rhythm comes in. This is what's going to decide how and where your eye travels around a room It's that very thing that gives a room its pulse. So, for example, you might have that gorgeous big artwork over your fireplace in your dining room, but then you need other items that tie in with that artwork where your eye naturally skips from the artwork to the ornaments on your fireplace, whatever it may be, and that is exactly what Rhythm is. And this is where it gets really interesting because now we break out the building blocks of design called the Elements and they're things like colour, texture, shapes, and patterns. And that's what I'm going to be talking about a lot over the coming episodes, how you skillfully use all of these elements to create exactly the look and feel you're after. It's basically how you use repeating patterns and colours to step up the rhythm and create that visual interest or experiment with another device called progression. That's when you take something like, say, a candle and step it up in size from small to largest. So what I suggest you do now is go grab yourself a cuppa. And while all of this theory is still fresh in your mind, jump onto Pinterest and hows and start researching some of those terms we've just talked about. Scale, balance, rhythm, harmony, dominance. The best way to understand how these principles work is to look at professional interior design images online, see how they play out in real life, so you can go and replicate exactly the same thing in your own home. So we've talked a lot about the theory of interior design. I reckon it's time to put some of this into practice. On the next episode, we're going to talk about one of my favourite things, which is colour and how to get that right in your home. Transform Your Home was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Created in partnership with Fantastic Furniture. Written and presented by me, Cherie Barber. Producer Alex Mitchell. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, simply search Transform Your Home podcast. Listen for free by downloading the Podcast One Australia app or head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au.